Okay, if you got a Bible, let's turn to the book of 1 Peter. We'll let you get over there and then we'll have a word of prayer. 1 Peter chapter 1. What a blessing it is to open the book. You know, um, it's real easy. Uh, even as a Christian, let's say as a, as a serious believer, it's real easy for time to slip away in this world that we live in. It's, it's perhaps not even any form of exaggeration to say that time is something that must be guarded in the day in which we live. First Peter chapter 1, we'll open in prayer here in a moment. I said that about that because it's so easy for days to go by without getting to spend quality time in your Bible. And what I kind of mean by that is it, there's not going to be a, a morning go by you don't read your Bible. I don't think there is. I, I know for me, I'm going to find a way to read it. If if uh, something happen, happens and my schedule's messed up, I still carry a pocket Bible <coughs> that I can open with my hands. I carry a little pocket Bible in my backpack. Uh, you've got it on your phone. Uh, I have to feed on that book the same way that you're going to have water or coffee or tea and something to put in your Bible to sustain you and your body to sustain you every day. And you are your new nature and you are born again of the Spirit of God. And so who you are is a spiritual creature. And you're a spiritual creature inside a physical body. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time we get to have in your book. Uh, Lord, may our thoughts be applicable. May they be true and honest. May they be a blessing, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to pick it up in chapter 1. The mark I made said that we had stopped at the end or around the end of verse 22, except probably stops really stopped at the end of 21 because verse 22 uh, is part of a sentence of verse 22 and 23. And I didn't make my introductory comments because of this, uh, but perhaps that's in the back of my mind, as you'll see when we look at these two verses. Because what I was saying before we prayed is this. you If you are saved, if you're a born-again believer, which we're going to look at, if you are, you are a spiritual creature. I can't tell you how many times I've asked people, okay, are you more spiritual or more physical as a being? And they would say physical. But you're not. You're spirit, soul, and body. So at least two-thirds of you is spiritual, is unseen, so to speak, or inner. And he even says that he's going to quicken your mortal bodies, not just when he resurrects you, but he'll quicken it in the sense of for his work, for his service, uh, for what you're able to do. And I, I believe that thoroughly and completely. So when we pick it up in verse 22 of chapter 1, he said, seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Now there is a sense in which being doctrinally correct, and we are, by the way, seems to be something that people, when they follow it, it's almost like their Bible teaching gets sterile. 
you know, almost just cut and dried, but there's there's very little spirit application, and I don't know that you, you can have doctrine without both. Doctrine is not just words or what you believe or something like that. And I say that because when you look at it, he says seen. Okay, now let's pick up the context. Verse 19, he said, you're, bought, you're purchased, you're redeemed. Verse 18, redeemed. Verse 19, what? With the precious blood of Christ. Verse 20, or foreordained by the found, before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Now, as far as Peter's concerned, those last times, they start with the crucifixion or the life and ministry of Christ, okay? And so, when we're looking at this, and he's writing, then he says, verse 21, who by him do believe in God. He said in John 14, 1, you believe in God, believe also in me. A great way to witness. If, if someone says, yeah, I believe in God. Now, I know you're going to get people who say, don't believe in God. There's different ways to approach them. But if someone says, oh, I believe in God. said, well, here's what Jesus said. He said, believe also in me. And then, he, then develop that with them. Give them a chance to have a reason to believe in him. And it's not merely the doctrinal, it's the doctrinal applied to what people can see and believe. So he says, that raised him up, verse 21, from the dead and gave him glory. Why? That your faith and hope might be in God. So you believe in God? Someone says, yes, I do. You say, okay. Then believe in Jesus Christ. Well, why should I do that? Because he raised from the dead. And there's, there's more documented proof that Jesus Christ literally raised from the dead than there is almost any other case. There's 500 witnesses. There's no, hardly any case on the face of the earth that, that had 500 bona fide witnesses. And there's multiple witnesses that didn't believe in him, but will attest that he was the Son of God. So, when we get to verse 22, he says, seeing. So, now he's going to talk about our life and how being born again, how being a Christian affects our life if we're just walking in obedience. It is the spirit nature's way to obey God. If you are saved, if you are born again, that's who you are. You're not who you were. We a little while back did a thing called, it was a few years back, you, you were, now you are. Out of Ephesians where he said that. You were, but now you are. You were dead, now you're alive. So you were your old nature, but you're not now. When your old nature gives you a hard time, instead of making a big deal out of it, say, well, that's okay, but that's not who I am. Verse 22, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit on unfading love of the brethren. Now, how do you purify your soul? Now, your soul is your inner being. You can divide it up, spirit, soul, body. I get that. But just come over to the next chapter, which we're going to get to in due time, and look at 1 Peter 2, verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. We are strangers. This world is not our home. We are pilgrims. We're on our way somewhere else, and we know where we're going. As, as strangers and pilgrims, watch, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. 
Okay? So, your soul pictures and is pictured by your inner being. And it's who you are. So, we purify our souls, not as in salvation by the blood of Christ, but when we get down to verse 22, we purify our souls. How? By obeying the word. And what word? Watch. Seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, comma. So before we go to the last half of the statement, we are to have an unfeigned, a feigned, the word feigned in English is also the same word that goes with the word faint, not as in faint as in pass out, faint as in to pretend, to fake something. In boxing, you, you use a faint. Uh, when you guys watch uh, football or something and that guy's running at that guy and he's got the ball and the other guy's trying to tackle him, he's going he's gonna to faint. He's going to juke him, you could say. Unfeigned love of the brother means it's not false. It's not superficial. It's not fake. It's not doing things that, that you know indicate you love the brethren, but in your heart you don't. Unfeigned love of the brethren. Now, he said you purify your soul. So when we're talking about the soul here, we're not talking about the part of you that gets stamped at salvation by the Holy Spirit to be saved. It's talking about your inner being, who you really are. So in the same way that fleshly lusts war against the soul, the world wars against it and the devil wars against it. And he said that you purify your soul in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. And then he says because of that, seeing that, see that you love one another, ready, with a pure heart fervently. With a pure heart fervently. So you hold yourself to it. You expect it. You grow it. In the next epistle that Simon Peter writes, hang a right, just a couple pages to 2 Peter 1 for a moment, you will notice that he gives a process here. So it is a process, not an event, but it has to start with an event where you say, I'm going to obey the truth, and I'm going to obey it through the Spirit, and I'm going to obey the truth that says, love the brethren, and by this shall all men know you're my disciples. How? Not by you loving the world, not by you loving the community, though you should, but by loving Christians. Christians are notorious for not loving one another. First Peter, Second uh, Peter two, chapter one. Sorry, Second <laughs> Peter chapter one. Okay, <clears throat> verse five. And beside this, giving all diligence, watch this process, please. Add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. So in the context, the way the sentence is written, it said, add to your faith virtue, and add to your virtue, knowledge. And add to your knowledge, temperance. And add to your temperance, patience. And add to your patience, godliness. And add to your godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. Charity is a good English word, and it means you could apply it this way. Love in action. Love in action. So we're redeemed by the blood. I was speaking with a fellow recently, and we were talking, playing golf and talking, <clears throat> and he has some Bible studies going and stuff, and 
he said so, this fellow that comes was having a real hard time about God forgiving him and stuff. And and part of how they were approaching it was from this mental doctrinal thing. You know, well, God said if you'd believe he'd forgive you, da-da-da. And I said, but if you don't put them in touch with the blood of Jesus Christ as a doctrine, as a believing doctrine, the blood can't do for him what God intends. That's why 1 John 1 is so powerful when it comes to both a lost or a saved person because to get into fellowship with god you got to get the blood applied and get saved to get back into fellowship with god you got to get the blood applied to keep the fellowship between each other going you got to have the blood applied first john 1 verse 7 and then on through 9 so when we're reading this this is a powerful passage <coughs> about this this process that purifies. Now it takes the Holy Spirit. It does. But it, what it does, it takes us obeying. See, seeing that you have purified your souls in what? In obeying the truth. Now, far too many believers, they kind of divide up what, what the Bible calls and what God calls the truth. Uh, they, they might say, okay, well, you know, the doctrine of the atonement, that is truth. And the doctrine of, you know, the second coming, that is truth. And the doctrine of propitiation, that is truth. Well, how you're to treat one another by Jesus' words, 1 Timothy 6, that's truth. That's truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Proverbs says, I give you good doctrine. So Proverbs. Proverbs isn't about the atonement and the propitiation and and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. No, Proverbs is about daily living. He said, I give you good doctrine. So when we think of it this way, then we come to our Bible. Now, there is an extreme on the other side of this that we should be aware of. And that is taking everything we find that's Scripture or everything we find that's paraphrased and just trying to find a good life lesson in it. When you do that, you get off track. Because then you're living by sayings only. Now, sayings are powerful. I, I, I have plenty of sayings that I use and repeat to myself, but I make sure they're, whenever possible, they're actual scripture. And if it's not an actual scripture, it's scriptural. It's, it really matches the Bible. Okay? So, when we're to love the brethren with a pure heart, wait now, fervently. So my heart is right, my attitude is right, and it has fervency behind it. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, James 5 says. There's a fervency, there's a fire about it. Now some people are fervent and quiet, okay? Some people are fervent and outward, like some of us are. We're outward, we're expressive. But the sentence goes on and says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth ever. Forever. He is appealing to the fact, he said, being born again. Not as in you're, you keep going until you get there, you keep going until you get there. It's being born again. I was born again, but I am born again. See, way too many believers today hearken back to when they, quote, got saved, which is fine if they did, but they are saved, and they're not saved like ticket punched. They're supposed to be being born again. Being, it's a state of condition that we're in because we entered and were born into Jesus Christ. 
So being born again is very important. A seed can be a little thing in appearance, but what does it do? It possesses life. I mean, when you think about it, it does some of the most miraculous work unseen in the ground. The sower, Matthew 13 and Mark 4 and Luke 8, went forth to sow. Do you know what you do to a seed? You bury it, in most cases, and then you drown it to make sure it's what? Good and dead. So Jesus said, except a corn of wheat fall on the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. So the doctrine of God for a child of God is number one, you are your new nature. You are your new nature. That is so important. See, you are a new creature. Therefore, if any man in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, but all things become new. I know people use different versions. That's fine. Okay. But a lot of them say new creation. You're not a new creation yet because you still have the old body. That's why people get confused when you tell them they're the new creation. No, you're a new creature. You're different than you were. Completely different. You're a spiritual person in a physical body. You are new. You are your new nature. Okay? But then you must grow. Like everything else in life. If you don't grow, number one, it won't show, and you won't get anything out of it. Okay? So... When he says, verse 24, For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Why is he making his point? Let's go back to verse 23. Because being born again and who we are is directly tied to the word of God. Now, you can get saved reading a gospel tract that doesn't have a, an actual verse printed out in it. You can get saved hearing someone preach the gospel and say, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You, yes, hundreds and thousands of people have been saved through open air preaching. And there have been hundreds of thousands of people get saved who couldn't read a word. I've been in places in New Guinea where they couldn't read a word. And I've been in places in New Guinea where you had to have somebody from that little village translate for you. Because they didn't know pidgin English. So they really didn't know any English or anything else. And so someone who knew English and pidgin would have to take it into that, what they call talk place in pidgin, the talk that belongs to that little place. But they'll get saved because they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. But how does all that work? Look, you're born again of incorruptible seed by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. There's something God does when he saves a person, he puts that seed down in them because they're believing the Word of God by virtue of believing the Gospel. Then they've got to grow or learn the Word of God. So you are your new nature, and then you must grow. To grow, they have to know. One of the great downfalls of modern Christianity was they went and they got people to make professions of faith and save, and they didn't grow them. And it was a whole generation who had been discipled that decided, well, you ought to just know better when they wouldn't have known better if they had not been taught. So, you're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. So you're not born 
corruptible seed is what your body's made of. <laughs> yeah, it just, it dies. It corrupts. It decays. As Oswald Chambers said, the very thing that keeps you alive is what decays you when you die. And that's oxygen and air. The air that you breathe keeps you alive until you die. And then <laughs> it disintegrates you. It decays you. It eats you up. So we're born, not a, but of incorruptible by the word of God. And so in verse 25, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. This is the word which by the gospels preached unto you. Now we're thankful that the Bible is divided into books and then chapters and verses. Thankful. It helps us find stuff. When they wrote these letters, it just came to them as a letter. There may have been some hand markings that, that we call paragraphs and stuff, indentations. But in the context, it would have gone like this. verse Chapter 1, verse 25. Watch with me, please. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Wherefore... Laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy and envies, all evil speakings, comma, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby, colon, if so be you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. So the thought that begins chapter two is really a continuation of the discourse. Okay? We're happy that it's there. Happy is to help addresses, to to, to locate the verses on, you know, the street and the house number. But the thought is continuing. So the wherefore is built upon the fact that you're born again in chapter 1, verse 23. That your flesh and all flesh, verse 24, fades away. That the word of God abides forever. And so because of that, wherefore, watch, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may, what is it? Mark it, grow thereby. So you are new, but then what? You got to grow. If so be, you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now what a great picture he gives us. What a logical picture. So the title of this that we put on there, okay, the chapter heading was Submission bridles our sojourn now in chapter one we looked at the fact that salvation begins our sojourn our sojourn is our journey down here this life is a journey so many of you who maybe are a little bit too critical of the world or you think if they use a phrase it has to totally be wrong no they just stole it from us we are on a journey all of us are on a journey everybody's going somewhere <laughs> thankfully those of us who've trusted christ we know where we're going, but we, but we should live more like we know it. Everybody should. Now me, I'll tell you, I'm determined to live like... I'm getting ready to go home any day now, any minute. I can go home tonight if the Lord would let me. And I promise you, I won't get up there and miss any of y'all. But Paul said, he had a desire to be with Christ, which was far better, but it was more needful for him to be here. So if you're here, you need to... Let God show you why you're here and do what's more needful. If you're alive and you're, say, retired, God didn't get you to this point so you could retire. That wasn't the goal. The goal 
was for you to take the extra time you ought to have. You may not have the same amount of energy as you had 10 years ago before you retired or five years ago. And if you're not careful, you'll start losing energy the moment you retire because you don't keep yourself busy. Or you might keep yourself busy with hobbies and hobbies and hobbies and travel. And, and some it's great. Grandchildren are awesome. But that isn't the only thing God called you to do in life. So you should find out what it is God called you to do. But what you got to do is grow and keep growing. And as, as if you were a babe, grow. I love feeding upon the milk of the word. If you don't feed upon, you say, well, you, you ought to want meat. Yeah. But if you don't desire the sincere milk of the word, why? That ye may grow thereby. Never stop growing. You know, they, they say about these, these uh, leaders, these special forces guys, these, you know, guys that spend their life for others, they are, they're lifetime learners. So, when we come to this, watch this. Laying aside all malice, guile, hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speakings. Do you notice he didn't say lay aside all murders? He didn't say lay aside all fornications. (laughs) Hear me out. (laughs) It's taken for granted you're to lay aside murders and fornications and all that stuff. But he's going to go to the heart of what it is to live a daily life and the things that are going to war against your soul are going to keep you from living out the fact that you are new. You are your new nature. So he said you got to lay aside some stuff. Now they're deadly. Why are they deadly? Because they're hidden in the bosom of a person, of a man or woman. Malice has is basically defined as disposition to injure others without cause just uh, malice malicious it's called in the legal system Uh, cantankerous might be one of them but it goes even beside that you can you can set out to injure others and never touch them injure their mind their heart injure their friendships just malice malicious Notice the other word with it, guile. Guile is deceit or inward craft or cunningness. Its tools are flattery and falsity. Notice what else he said, envies. You know, envies is what moved Joseph's brothers to sell him into slavery. Envy is that green-eyed, jealousy and envy, the green-eyed monster, they call it. All evil speakings. Alright, so guile, hypocrisies. You say, what are hypocrisies? Hypocrisy is anything that's a counterfeit piety. Anything that's a counterfeit goodness. A counterfeit churchness. A counterfeit Christianity. A counterfeit motive. A counterfeit nice stuff doing. Okay, I'm putting it into way layman terms. In other words, it's when you do something that portrays piety. Or Christianness, but it ain't. And there's a falsity and a flattery behind it. Hypocrisies are a counterfeit piety, a feigning, even acting like, but inside, gritting your teeth. So he said, with those things, here's what you do now you lay them aside. Why? Because they're deadly, 
to the heart of the believer. So you lay those aside, and then as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. Now you feed upon milk, you drink milk. So here's what he's saying, get this, I'm going to bring it right down to the everyday life of, of March of 2023. Stop feeding upon the media. Stop feeding upon the people you hang out with if they have any of this going on in their life. It does not matter who's right in your eyes. It does not matter who you think is, is not as bad or more right than the other person in government. It doesn't matter to God. God's kingdom is believers and then believers living it out for the souls of others. That's his kingdom. And none of this, who you voted for in any election, who got into office, none of that will be spoken of in eternity. It will be completely forgotten. As the Bible says their memory will rot. Gone. Forever. And it won't matter what policy they passed. It won't matter how it affected you and I's budget. Yes, it affects us. Yes, it does. Who cares? We're on our way. We're on a journey. We've got a purpose here. Do you, and if, if you don't know your purpose, slow down and find it. Get And if... If you're just, you say, well, I don't know how to find it. Find somebody who knows God and let them help you find your purpose. They're not going to tell you. If they know God, they're not going to tell you what your purpose is. They're going to help you go to the parts of the Bible and develop some habits that are going to help you know God. But picture the difference. You lay aside. You quit drinking it. You keep quit feeding on it. You turn it off and you open your Bible. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. You don't need any Greek or Hebrew to know what this is if you know anything about livestock. The sincere milk of the word is the same thing you try to give a new foal or a new calf or a new puppy. You want them to get that milk, that colostrum, and then there's other things that go with it, that sincere milk. That's what that word sincere is referring to as in telling you, reminding you of. Sincerity is that key. You'll find Paul mentioning sincerity in his epistles. And then to, tie, to know we're tying this together, look at verse 3. If so be you've tasted the Lord is gracious. So you see, when you taste of the Lord, and you're not going to taste of the Lord if you're drinking at the world's fountain. See, a lot of people, they'll read this passage, oh, so lay aside, blah, blah, blah. All that comes from whatever you're feeding on, whatever you're drinking. Whatever fountain you're drinking at is what is what it's going to affect who you are inside. It goes inside you. So as if you were a newborn babe, you're not a newborn babe. The people he's writing to are not newborn babes. It doesn't say if you're a newborn babe in Christ. So it doesn't say when you were a newborn babe, desire the sincere milk of the word, and then after a while, just move on. No, no, not at all. It's right now. Make sure you get that milk of the Word in you. Make sure you get that sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. Listen, I'll be 68 years old. That's not real old, but it's not real young anymore. And I'd be sorely disappointed in my walk if I wasn't growing 
constantly. There's still more to grow. Now, I'm not talking about you dragging your feet about getting victory over sin or dragging your feet about living out your new nature. I'm not talking about that. But we grow. He tells them to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why does he tell them to do that? Because that's what we're supposed to be doing right up to the point that we leave here. If you want to write the verse down, it's 2 Peter 3, verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now, while you're alive, and forever when you're on the other side. Amen, he said. So, <clears throat> you lay aside, you quit drinking. These are opposites. Verse 1 and 2 are opposites. And then you start desiring. He said, as a newborn babe. Now watch. That, you, that baby is going to find that milk if there's any way possible. Way back growing up, of course, we didn't have any God. No Bible. We had horses and animals. And those thoroughbreds would need help sometimes. We'd monitor them because of their value and also because of some weaknesses they had as far as barren young. They wouldn't have been good barren young in the wild. And so that foal would be born and we would watch it closely. And if at a distance it could get up, it would get up and those legs, those legs are so long in proportion on the little horse foal. It's amazing. It's thoroughbred especially. And their <laughs> legs are wobbling and they're wobbling along and they'd try to find that milk and they'd get that. They were looking for that milk. And if they couldn't get it, we'd help them a little bit because like I said, they weren't, they weren't uh, at a stage genetically where they could, could have been born in the wild and the majority of them survived. But they needed that milk. They desired that milk. So as, would you circle the word as at the beginning of verse 2? As newborn babes. One of the ways to test yourself a little bit, one of the ways to get feedback, by the way, if you're not checking yourself up in a positive way, I'm talking about a positive way, then you ain't never going to grow and you're never going to excel in anything. For example, people who excel, people who, do, who go on and people who do excellently at anything want to know what their weaknesses are so they can apply energy to their weaknesses. And when you desire, if you will desire the sincere milk of the word, it says that ye may grow thereby. God will help you with those spiritual weaknesses. Knowing all the doctrines in your Bible, there's people that know that they are just as carnal. I've seen guys that were, were grossly carnal, could rattle off the Bible, rattle off the verses, rattle off the doctrines. They could repeat doc word for word. But they're carnal. And then he says, as a way of, if so be, you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. The world's not gracious. TV's not gracious. Radio's not gracious. Uh, your your electronic media is not gracious. Listen, it's not just the people on the far side, what you call the left, that are not gracious. I hate to tell you, but a whole bunch of the leaders, and now you, now wait, hold it. You justify the leaders on the right that are not gracious because you want them to stand up and you don't want your life to be inconvenienced. But in any other part of life, you would say, you know, that's pride. And I'm not going to support or vote for someone who's full of pride. And I, you can apply that any way you want. 
But I will say this to you. We are not supposed to be in favor of people who walk in pride. And the reason we're not supposed to is because it kills the Spirit of God's work. And it kills our growth. And you cannot listen to people who are proud on either side of any issue and think it's okay because they're on, quote, the right side of what you think the right side of the issue is. Not if they're dealing in pride and arrogancy. Not if they're stirring up more and more conflict because God didn't call you to that as a Christian. You say, well, that I'm just telling you what he says here. When we get into this, this passage, this chapter, we realize that our conversation, he says it, look, verse 12, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works with they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. It's not going to be right now. Verse 13, we're going to get come back to this, but before I close, you, 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 a little awakening here. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Now you may go find you some other uh, reversion of that that doesn't say it quite that way, but it says what it says right there. And if whatever parallel version doesn't say it as straight as that, use that that phrase for this for whatever because it says submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Do you understand for the for the two, three years of so-called COVID and COVID conflict, and, and by the way, you can believe it doesn't exist, but some of us can attest it does. Do you realize that Christians were the ones who were so messed up in their attitude over submitting to an ordinance? Why? Pray. Choose where you're allowed to choose. Yeah, amen. But you can't find the Lord Jesus Christ fighting against Caesar. He said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Now, if you're willing to go to death for it, go ahead. Willing to, willing to, to do that, then you do that. And when you get to heaven, say, Lord, I'm here early because. Now, I have a, I have a little humorous vision in my mind sometimes. Someone does something that they get to heaven early could be they did themselves in committed suicide or did something reckless and they get up there and knock on the door and it won't be saint peter okay we'll say the lord himself comes to the door and says yeah can i help you i'm home so well you weren't supposed to be home yet you got five years well i'm home i got tired of it couldn't stand it anymore blah 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 blah. okay you see a little bench right there yeah you sit down when it's your time you can come in in the meantime we're going to still be in here rejoicing every time somebody gets saved and we're going to be having a good old time and we are totally oblivious of earth. But you won't be. You weren't supposed to be home yet. Can you imagine facing God and saying, well, I'm home because they were never going to take you know, my gun away from me or they were never going to take my liberty away or they told me I couldn't you know, drive at night or whatever. Just whatever. And God says, really? I only told you to stand for Jesus Christ I only told you to submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. As free, 
Verse 16, and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Now, we'll get to that. But here's my point about all this passage. This book is about having a spiritual life. That is your life. It's not like when you go to church and you, you know, you nod your head and you're real nice to everybody, shake hands, you know. No. It's about your life being spiritual. It will even affect our bodies. Now, our body may betray us, and a disease may break out, and trouble may break out, and our organs may quit on us. But that's not who we are. It's just where we're living. I mean, I was in a situation within the last couple of years where <laughs> the plumbing, not my plumbing, the house plumbing, basically quit. Bad copper in the concrete floor. You know what you got to do? You got to find where it comes in the house and you got to repipe all the way around the house and stub it in each place and you got to repipe it. Period. Inconvenience? <laughs> you can't imagine. It's kind of like our bodies. Our body might give us a hard time. Might not cooperate at all. Don't matter. We're going to heaven. We're on our way. We're strangers and pilgrims on our way to the city. And in the meantime, we're going to walk a spiritual life. To do so, we've got to stay in the book. To do so, we've got to lay aside some things, stay out of some things, stay away from some things. Wherefore, laying aside all malice, anything that even represents a disposition to hurt any others. He said all malice, all guile, no deceit, no inward sneakiness, craftiness, or cunning. And hypocrisies. No counterfeit piety. Okay? And, and envies. And all evil speakings. All. All. Circle all. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that she may grow thereby. If so be, you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now, verse 3, listen. Maybe you haven't tasted, and maybe that's the problem. I'll give you that. But I really hope you have tasted, because I'll tell you the truth. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it in all the world to taste of what it is to just give yourself over to God, be obedient to His book, let him take care of it all. Father, use these words, we pray, as only you can, in Jesus' name. Amen.